Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven Fulham podcast. We are now streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. Come join me and my dad and my brother and the wonderful community that we have built. Discuss the team that we love and all the wonderful things that are a part of it. We appreciate you all endlessly for following us on this fantastic journey that we are so blessed to be a part of. But let's not waste any more time. Jack, you play that intro and come on. You are free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire, mind and senses purified, free from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. Here today to discuss the Leeds game, the 2-1 win for Fulham, making it back-to-back victories for the first time since February. Uh, Harry Wilson leading the way and uh, scoring a beautiful goal, uh, as well as Pereira's really tough chance that he somehow managed to put away. Here to discuss it all, we've got Sammy. How are you going, Sam? I'm good. What a what a what a new intro in comparison to the last however many months the Premier League has been going on for to sing the praises of Harry Wilson in a very nice way. It's great. Well, yeah, we'll definitely come on to that. And, Dad, how are you going as well? Yeah, great, thanks. Back-to-back uh, back, uh, spring and autumn, beautiful days in London and Perth. Uh, pretty happy about that. It's a good day outside. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting to have the, the weather matching in both was... places, which is quite nice for once. Um, yeah, look, let's, let's crack straight on and get into this game because, uh, you know, we've had a an interesting fixture fixture list the last few weeks. If you have a look at the games themselves by themselves, you'd sort of look at it and go, yeah, but it's full and wins all the way through. But with the relegation scrap the way it is, these games have actually been a little bit harder. Um, I think we sort of expected to walk over a lot of these teams when they are so far down the league and have been performing so poorly, but they really have put on some pretty good performances. But I have to say yesterday... It wasn't a good performance. Leeds did not look like a good side fighting to, to to stay up. Dad, your thoughts on on this Leeds team? Oh well, without being too harsh, um, gee, they're weak, aren't they? They, as we were discussing a little earlier, it was it just seemed like a a, a pretty easy game for us competitively, and um, they gave the ball away easily whenever we happened to have a lapse and lose the ball. We seem to get it back so easily, and that's uh, doesn't bode well for them. Yeah, I'd want to feel more sorry for them. But yeah, Leeds Sammy, fans your thoughts? Are quite... Yeah, sorry. And I'd want to feel more sorry for them, but I find Leeds fans quite repugnant, and yet, like, if I – pretty – no, nah, they're <laughs> gross. They're so gross. Like, they're yeah, not, not, not my cup of tea at all. Um, uh, genuine, <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Uh, they're just gross. They're so, they were so like, they were so gross last night. Yeah, every time I was like hard again to them. There's, I, I, because I actually quite like the Leeds team. I, um, and I actually do feel quite sorry for like the players because, yeah, it's not, it, their system is not working. And like, who isn't a Bielsa fan? Like, Bielsa's great. And, um, it's a bit of a broken record to just constantly think back to like the Bielsa days, but they are very far from the Bielsa days now. And um, the the shine of Bielsa has kind of uh, all withered away. And now you're just kind of like left with their fan base. And yeah, I'm not a fan of them at all. Um, but with that being apologies said... To, uh, apologies to everyone north of Watford. Yeah, well, this is the Fulham <laughs> podcast. So like the full uh, the Fulham spectators look lovely as always, handsome bunch, all that good stuff. Um yeah, no, if yeah, Leeds uh well, it's pretty shocking. <laughs> I I think they're destined for relegation, like honestly. Um and yeah, tonight uh sorry, last night kind of underscored that for me. I say underscore a lot, but it it did. It did. Well, it's interesting. We've seen a few teams, I mean, we're actually getting a really good understanding of what all these teams in the relegation scrap are like because we've seen Bournemouth, we've seen Wolves fairly recently, we've seen Everton, now we've seen Leeds as well. Um, I, I have to say Leeds and West Ham especially have looked 
by far the poorest teams we've played in in some time. Mm-hmm. I know Everton didn't exactly look crash hot last week, but I think Everton at least showed a little bit of fight a few times. Um, the, this Leeds team just didn't look like they they really knew what was going on, and it was really interesting as well. I saw a few comments from uh, Javi Gracia, the Leeds manager, post game, basically saying we're still trying to work out who our best eleven is. Now, when you're 31 games into the season good, and you man. still don't know your best 11, that's a worry. And we yeah. saw it as well. If you look at the, the team that came out uh, the week before that got absolutely spanked by Liverpool and the team who played against Palace the week before that as well, um, there are a lot of changes in that lineup. You know, we, we tried to guess what the lineup would be. And uh, I think there were probably three or four players who didn't play the week before who came into the lineup for the Fulham game. So Leeds, they're. they're they're in a bit of strife, I think, with uh, just not understanding who their best eleven is at this point in the season. It's obviously tough when you've got a change in managers; things change, and you know he's trying to understand the team as well. But they just don't look like a unit at all. And I, I'm, I, I think they're probably favourites to go down alongside Southampton and I'd say West Ham. I, I think mm. have a few problems there as well because they're just unable to pick up points at the moment, and that's what you need to stay up. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, these games are always going to be quite tough, even though it seems like it's an easy game for, for Fulham coming up against a, a team that aren't playing well. We've seen how, how things can really quickly change and how uh, recent form doesn't really mean anything in the Premier League sometimes. So uh, a really solid win from Fulham to actually get the points and uh, score a couple of goals and a couple of good goals as well. Um, let's talk about the first half, though, Dad. It was a bit of a, I won't call it a bore drawer as such, but it, it wasn't the most exciting first half and neither team really looked like they had a foothold on the game. Look, I think I think it's safe to say, I don't think we're exaggerating to say that um, Fulham were in control without dominating or, or mm. really looking that dangerous. But we we certainly looked, never ever looked like getting exposed. Um, our defence was actually very good, I thought, and very stable um, <clears throat> throughout the first half. And wh- whilst we, we've we've b- become accustomed to very, very high standards of our midfield, and I know there's a lot of commentary around um, Polina being a little bit off his best, he, he didn't have a bad game yeah. by by any means. And his first half wasn't even that bad either. But I don't know why, what it was. I think he picked up his yellow card in about the 15th minute. So there was a lot that happened before that. Um, but, you know, I think um, I, I think, and perhaps we'll talk about this later, it sort of comes down to the fact that um, Bobby being up front didn't really work that well for us. He didn't have a bad game by any means. I think he did a lot of good things, and I think he worked very, very hard. But he didn't look—he didn't look like a dangerous goal-scoring outlet for us. Mm. And m- maybe that's what summed up that first half: that we we had plenty of possession, not super dominant. I think it was like sixty forty or something like that. But we just didn't look like ripping through them at all. Um, mm. So it was, a, it was a bit of a wasn't wasn't a spectator's delight by any means, but um, yeah, you you kind of had that sense that that the second half would open up a lot, and and that's what happened. Mm. Sammy, any thoughts? Yeah, um, I think uh, oh, I was I was listening to um, actually this this is related. I was listening to Tifo the other day, and they were talking about how um, they were interviewing uh, the previous Bournemouth manager, not Scott Parker, um, the one previous, I can't remember who it is, but um, they're basically, he was basically saying how when you're uh, a coach, pretty much like it's really like game days is really, really nerve wracking because you're drilling stuff into your players all game. But then when you're actually there, you don't actually have a lot of control over the actual, like how they're going to play. And you can have a bit of a chat with them uh, at halftime. And that's basically the only time you actually get to like reset. And it was really, it was really interesting because like, obviously Bobby's been at the club a long time. He's played striker before, but uh, it was very evident that uh, it was always just going to be William 
Pereira and Wilson that were going to be our main attacking threat. And I think in the second half, because you could see glimpses of it in the first half, I thought Willian actually played a really awesome game. Obviously, like Wilson's the poster boy, but I thought Willian was excellent all game. And he was our main kind of, um, like he was pushing us forward in a really awesome kind of way, as well as Wilson as well. But yeah, I think in the first half, we kind of tried to play target man a little bit. And then the second half, we kind of reset our priorities and made all of our attacking chances come from our wings. And I think, yeah, it massively helped us in the second half. I don't know. What do you guys reckon? I, I want to know how much Tifa are paying you. Yeah, oh, it's, I, it's, no, I just think they're great. I just think they're great. <laughs> Can I yeah, can I just say, Jack? Uh, it's late. You you haven't had a lot to say here, but can can we just have a moment to celebrate the wonder that is watching Willian? Oh, he's, he's so he's good. A, he's a gorgeous footballer to watch, he's and so I, good. I I love Marco Silva's fascination or interest in Brazil and <laughs> to a lesser degree Portugal <laughs> and. And, you know, obviously very, very keen to keep hunting in that in that area for talent. But it's just so exciting to watch. It's so talented, so slick, so inventive, so creative. You know, it, it's just a lovely thing to watch. And mm. as I'm not sure if we said we were talking about that before we started or during this podcast, I can't remember now, but... It's been a while since we've had that at Fulham and maybe it goes back to the Mel Bronk days of kind of tricky footwork and slick players. It's a joy it's a joy to watch and it's kind of um why people love football. Um mm. and, and I, I would include the likes of Solomon um in those ranks as well. And um uh, you know, can't have enough of it from my perspective. Mm. Yeah, it, we were talking about it just before we started, just basically saying how great it is to have all these tricky players at Fulham. And, you know, Mal Bronk is a good example. Someone like Berbatov, who had silky skills. Um, other play, Even someone like Brian Ruiz, Dembele, who just... Dembele, Dembele, to, yeah. <clears throat> almost seemed as if they had the ball tied to their foot most of the time. And it's so... Uh, just to be sort of basic, it's so cool just to see Fulham players <laughs> who have those skills and to, to see um, Solomon, Cabano, Willian, even yeah. Deckard over Reed as well out on the wings mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, getting them in one-on-one -on -one situations and seeing them run at defenders and going, I reckon he might be able to get past him. And it happens mm -hmm. a lot. They do get past them and they use their skills so well and, that's that's a big component to why we've been playing so well this season as well, is that those guys on the wing are able to create space and create chances through their ability, through their skills. Um, mm. but and, and it's very entertaining and attractive football is my oh, point, really. You know, it's just entertaining. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and that's kind of what you want. You want to... Uh, it's like when you're in the stadium and a player gets the ball and all of a sudden everyone stands up. And it's mm. that moment when you just go something's going to happen here and we're lucky enough that we kind of get to see it all the time. Like we, we're always expecting something to happen, which is, like I said, it's really cool. I, I really just like watching Fulham now. It's um something, you know, we've had some really great attacking teams in the last 10 years. Um, the championship team under Jukanovic, the team last season in the championship where we're scoring goals for fun. But this team just feels like it has a little bit of something different and it's just got um, a bit of a better final product sometimes, um, even without Mitro and the team. So um, first half, like we said, fairly drab affair, I'm going to say. Um, second half, though, it seemed like there was a bit of a team talk there from Marco, which is maybe what we've been, what we've been missing while he's been on the sidelines. Um, sorry, while he's been off the sidelines, rather. And we saw a different Fulham come out in the second half, who first half, I'd say we just didn't have that final ball and we were really were lacking in that bit of quality. And second half, it just seemed to change. I don't know what it was. A, a little switch was flicked, and all of a sudden the chances started flowing. Um, let's talk about the first goal. Um, Dad, I'll throw to you first. Um, a really well-set-up goal. Uh, a lot of praise to Willian and Robinson, who who made it, and a really well-taken finish. 
Yeah, a big praise to uh, Robinson, who actually participated, you know, certainly as part of the genesis of both goals. Um, Really good runs to break out of the back line and start that kind of movement uh, happening. Beautiful cross, very controlled cross with from uh, Willian on his left foot. And, I mean, the keeper doesn't do awfully, but he... He, he doesn't seem to have great awareness of who is actually off to his left. And mm-hmm. while he does parry it a little bit clear of the goal, Wilson's completely unmarked. And he has quite a lot of time, really, to settle. But the ball is bouncing, and he does really well to keep it down and slot it away. And, you know, that's never going to be stopped at that range. And it just... A great thing to see, Harry Wilson. Like you say, I think, or I think it was you who commented, Jack. There were um, some moments where, in the first half, he still seemed to be brushing off a bit of rust. But he, just the way he's running with his head up, you can tell the confidence mm-hmm. is coming back. You know, he he's a different player from just three or four weeks ago, and. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's he's completely back yet because uh, maybe maybe Harry Wilson's really back when he puts a cross in with his right foot as opposed to trying to toe poke one in with the outside of his left foot, for mm. example. Um, but you know, it's great to see taking nothing away from him. So happy, I, I I'd be happy for him to score every single week going on from here because. Um, you know, we, we've we've had a bit of a tough run emotionally in the last four to six weeks with everything from Man United, the whole drama of <clears throat> the ban, all the media being on us. And it's been a bit drab, to be honest. It's been fairly negative. And, um, you know, we've had Cabano out for such a long time. Obviously, over the last couple of months, we've had Solomon being drip-fed back into the squad. But how good is it to see both Wilson back into it now and truly available as a real option for us on the wing. And um, Cabano being back back in the mix as well, you know, so good. If I was like a sports psychologist, I would find just Harry Wilson so goddamn interesting because I think he's actually a really, really phenomenal player. I mean, like he was signed to Liverpool, so they must have seen something in him. And it's so interesting how like confidence affects him because yeah, I think, I think you are right. He's not fully back yet, but like the past two games, he's been so good. And literally the only thing I think that's actually getting in Harry Wilson's way is legitimately Harry Wilson, because that goal that he scored, that was such a good goal. It was so, it was so well struck, so well taken. And just like, you can tell that he's got like such a genuinely good instincts when he's not like in his own head about it. Like when he's just playing and actually got confidence in his ability, he's really good. <laughs> and you just kind of forget about it because like he's, he's been Harry Wilson the past, like um, the past season. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, fa- it's fascinating to me. Yeah. He, he's definitely on his way back. I, I think we can comfortably say he's not fully, I'm not, Ready is the wrong word, but he, he's not mm. fully there yet, which is which is fine because there's not not a huge amount of pressure on us at the moment. But um, I feel like we saw it a little bit in the first half, and I think I know the moment you're talking about, Dad. When you he he was streaming forward, Fulham had options. Uh, I think it was Pereira out wide, and all Wilson needed to do was pass the ball into space in front of him, and he just took maybe one or two too many touches, mm. and the opportunity was gone. And it's not an error, but it's a lack of confidence and confidence in himself to just go, you know what, I know the ball I need to play here. I'm looking up. I'm match fit, match sharp. I can put that ball into Pereira every day of the week, and it's a goal. Mm. And we just he, he's just missing that little edge. But we saw it again like, you know, I think Harry Wilson of maybe a month ago or even two months ago, the the chance that he took for the actual goal, I think he maybe would have tried to take a touch. He mm. maybe would have tried to bring it down mm. and then lay it back or something like that, um, mm. where it's just that lacking confidence and, and not 
trusting in himself, but his instincts seem to be just coming back a little that, bit. That's and I feel the right like, word. That's the right word. It's instinct over slightly yeah. overthinking it. Mm. And and I feel like he's he's starting. We're starting to see that from him, where he's making the right decisions. He's moving a little bit better. I think we're going to see a lot more from Wilson. And I think we will probably see him start a lot more games for the rest of the season. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him joining back up with Mitro as well, because um, in the championship, Mitro and Wilson were so potent together. Um, And I reckon with Wilson being back in the zone a little bit, we we could see even more come from that in the last few games of the season. To be honest, I think Wilson with his last few performances, is probably getting himself a, a, a contract extension because I think we were looking at him potentially being moved on at the end of the season. That's that's what we've been talking about in the last couple of months. But with his recent performances, he's starting to prove that he is a Premier League player. And and you know, hats off to him and and apologies to him because I think we'd all sort of written him off in the last few weeks and he's proven us wrong. You literally just put, like, I was literally just about, I put it like for those listening, I, uh, we do a thing where we put our hand up when we were on the same <laughs> thing. And Jack, you literally just took the point directly out oh, of my mouth. I, d- I, was I didn't mean to. It's just, um, oh, as long as the yeah. point gets out there, I don't care. But like, yeah, yeah. No, completely um, agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So look, let's, let's move on. Fulham going 1 0 up was always going to be tough for Leeds, um, especially with them not really creating any decent chances during the game. Um, and only 14 minutes later, Fulham went 2-0 up. Um, Dad, why don't you walk us through this one as well? Yeah, um, so actually I can't remember exactly um, well, how more, it went. More work from Robinson down the left to cross in, which the keeper again failed yeah, to okay. deal yep, with. Yep, I do, I do remember. Yes, again, uh, and, and a, a, nice, a nice little talking point actually as well is I think Robinson actually had a a pretty good game, but geez, he had mm. a very good tussle with Somerville, didn't he? And I reckon it's about really? 50-50 there uh, in terms of uh, returns. But Robinson gets down really quickly, and I- I'd say this this is actually the kind of pass into the cross into the box that we really, really want from Robinson. It was fired in at oh, kind of about neck or head height, really fired in, a little bit close to the keeper, but Bobby Decker, Dover Reed, actually gets in front of the keeper and masks him and really puts the keeper off, uh, mm. genuinely going for the ball, but makes it very difficult for many who spills it into the path of Pereira arriving in the box, again, completely unmarked. He has plenty of time. I mean, he, he literally stops, waits for the ball to bounce at a comfortable height and then smashes it into the back of the net. He had so much time. Um, uh, and, but, but all in all, it's the kind of goal that happens when you are in ascendancy, it's, it's always going to happen. And you have a few players arriving in the box and you smash one in to the box and whether it comes off a defender or the keeper, there's a couple of other players there and there's always going to be someone to knock it home. Um, yeah, good, good goal. I I wish we scored so many more of those type of goals and and I know whilst Mitrovic is up on his own in the box we are unlikely to score lots of those sort of goals but oh God you know we we need to play football like that for me. Jack, I don't know about you, but it felt so FIFA career mode for me. Like it felt <laughs> so kind of like just straight in the box kind of thing. Like um, uh, yeah, for me, Pereira went full NPC, and that's definitely not a bad thing. But yeah, it was yeah, it was just funny. <laughs> well, I, I have to agree. It was actually, and it's unfortunate. Robinson effectively created two goals here. I don't actually think he's been credited with assists for either of them. Interesting, just as black and white. Black, White and Fred comments Robinson's first assist of the season. I actually unfortunately Mm. think Robinson didn't pick up the assist for that goal because the keeper gets a touch on both of them, which I think negates any assists. Um, But all credit to him because, you know, and again, we have to sort of take our hats off and say we were wrong, where the last few weeks I've said Robinson's final product hasn't been good enough. And I, I did bag Robinson out saying he's only got one assist in two seasons in the Premier League. And all of a sudden in this game, he comes out and effectively gets two assists. Admittedly, not to his name, but I think deservingly so. 
we we should acknowledge that he had a really good game and um, kind of deserves those assists. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's a good finish. It's there's not much that needs to be done there, so I don't think we can harp on about it too much. But uh, I'm glad Pereira's picked up a goal. I think it's he he's also a confidence player, and I think we would have probably liked to see a few more goals from him this season. Sammy, mm. yeah, I'd like again going back to confidence and all like um, what we were briefly discussing before. Like I, again, I just think I think this game was very interesting from like a context point of view in terms of like, well, uh, like all players that you buy are essentially a bit of a gamble because you don't really fully know, and like very few, if any, players aside from like your Killian Mbappe's and um, your Messi's are uh, consistently amazing every single game. But it's really, really interesting how, like, um, performance kind of flutters throughout um, the season. But And we've just been extremely fortunate, I think, where for at least one game or, like, maybe, honestly, probably about th- at least three games for every single, like, player in our starting lineup, they've had a peak performance. And... Uh, when they haven't necessarily had as good games, there's been somebody else to kind of like pick up the stripe. I don't think we've actually had a game all season, really, arguably against Newcastle, where we were all crap and somebody didn't necessarily have like a standout. Oh, I, I, I think we just ha- had a little month s- like that, didn't we? Not so long ago, didn't we? Yeah, I, I said I this think. Is- I I'm not I sure think. this is a great point so far, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's you need to hydrate. Just... I think you need to hydrate, Sam. I know, I know what you're trying to say. I know what you're trying to say. But I don't think I don't think anyone was a standout yesterday, to be honest. I think Willian oh, Wilson what? had Ooh. had really good games, but I think it was actually a really good team performance. I think if you took Wilson or Willian out of that team and put someone else in, I think we still would have got the result. I, I'm I'm saying that oh, our plan B, which is sort of what we've called the last few games, is more about the whole team working as one, whereas plan A seems to be just put the ball to Mitro and he'll do the job. Um, that's obviously simplifying it massively, but I think the main thing is we're actually working as a much better unit in the last few weeks. And mm. I think that's the main thing that that is giving us these these good results and these better performances. Um, I don't think you can put it down to individuals carrying us because you look across the board, Tosin had a really good game, Reem had another good game, Robinson had a good game, Willian, Wilson, like, you know, pretty much everyone had a, had a good game. Um, possibly only Polina being the one who I think was a little bit off. And, you know, I, I tweeted after the game in my full-time thoughts that I thought the only negative that you could take from this game was that Polina again looked slightly out of form. And I, I copped a tiny bit of backlash from it as well um, with a few people disagreeing. But yeah, I, I, I sort of stand by the point that um, I don't think Polina played badly. I think Polina had a sort of 6 out of 10 performance. And for me... Polina needs to be having eight and nine out of ten performances every week because we know that he is a top four player playing in a Fulham side that's not a top four side. So he's he's obviously streaks ahead in terms of quality of everyone else in our team. And so when when I say he's out of form, I just mean he's not giving nines and eights, nines and tens every week. Um, and I think that's that's fair to say that he's looked a little bit off the boil. And I don't know if it's fitness i don't know if it's just a bit of fatigue having had such a big season and the fact that defensively we have kind of relied on him quite a lot this year dad do you do you agree polini has been a little bit off recently or am i seeing things no i think i think that's um it's true um i i, I think he was no doubt affected by that yellow card he, he seemed Mm. A little, yeah, a little definitely. bit despairing of, of fairly harsh judgment. It was a pretty crap um, tackle, but it wasn't awful. Um, and in in the context of where Jack and I were texting and commenting on how how much the ref was letting things go, which is always good to see because there's there's you know without 
being he he's, he was in control of the game, but he was letting a lot of things go in both ways. Mm. And my my comment is always that there always comes a point in a game where that's got to be reeled in because the more you let go, the more players push it, and mm. the, it's it's very difficult for a ref to let very tough challenges go mm. in the forward in, in, in near the box. It's like parenting teenagers, isn't it? It's like yeah, you know, getting that level right is really difficult, and then you let something go. And there's a, a tackle in the box and it goes to VAR and the VAR team are thinking quite differently to how the ref on the field is feeling. And then it all goes to shit. But, mm. but having said all of that, I think he, um, he, he actually was, did a good job, the ref, and he was in control and there were no yellow cards being pulled out willy-nilly. But back to Polina, um, he, I don't know, a couple of times, he, he just seemed a little bit slow to the ball. And maybe just a little bit less aggressive than you'd normally expect from him. And he, he by no means had a bad game because he did actually did quite a lot of good things. And there were a little couple little passes were a little bit undershot and whatever. And I, I think he's probably suffering um, from very, very high expectations. He's had that good a season. We've come to expect so much of him. When he has yeah. when he has a B minus game which is by no means a shit game. If he has a B-minus game, it's noticeable because mm. it's normally a solid A. And that's He's... what I mean as well is that, you know, he, he didn't have a bad game. It's just not up to his usual standards. Mm. Like as as a as an probably one of the biggest Jalpalina fans you'll ever meet, and like knowing all the context, he's had a roller coaster of a season. So he's got all of this new attention. He is... The poster boy of Fulham at the moment, for me at least. And, like, he's got all this attention from, like, top six clubs. He's just had a kid. He's probably, like, only sleeping, like, two hours a night. Just pumped full of adrenaline, oxytocin. And, like, yeah. He's he's had a serious, serious year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's fully burnt out. And his entire game is just being a beast and, like, tackling absolutely everything in sight. Ugh. It's a lot. It's been a mm. long year for Jalpalina. Oh, 100%. And we all love Polina as well. I think that's that's fair. Um, it was unfortunate. We'll talk about the own goal. It was off the back of a fair bit of Leeds pressure. And unfortunately, mm. we just didn't deal with it. It was, I think, four, maybe five corners in a row. I think mm. for the whole game, Leeds only had six corners in total. Uh, the ball's going wide. Unfortunately, Polina just finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. It's being mm. stabbed slightly wide of the post. Hits him on the chest. There's absolutely nothing he can do about it. Unfortunately, deflects into the back of the net. Yeah. Um, and he looks so there, gutted. He looks so I gutted know. as yeah, well. I felt so sorry because he, for he him. just knew there was absolutely nothing he could do about it. And mm. uh, yeah, that, that's, that's wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Um, but look, uh, and it's something that the commentator said after Leeds scored that second goal uh, in the post game. I think it might have been um, Darren Bent talking about it, basically saying, you know, at that point in a game. You're 2-1 down. You're on the verge of relegation. You would highly expect a team to be throwing absolutely everything forward. Leeds just didn't. I know it was nah. a slightly nervy last sort of 10 minutes, especially when there's eight minutes of injury time shown, which was just outrageous. But the fact is Leeds, I don't think Leeds had a shot on target in after they scored um, the, the goal to go 2-1. Uh, they they just didn't seem to want the game, which is again very worrying for Leeds going through the rest of the season. Because realistically, if you're not if you can't want the game when you need a win and you've you've just scored a goal, you can't make something happen. You're going to really struggle for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and so the game sort of petered out from that point onwards. Um, Fulham making their way out of it with a two one victory. Let's have a look at how that affects the. Oh, well, let's have a look at a couple of stats first before we look at the table. Um, possession, like you said before, Dad, fairly even. It was uh, a really good performance from Leeds and the end just holding onto the ball. But I think actually Fulham's performance was even better in the fact that they actually sat back really comfortably, let Leeds come onto them with a bit of extra possession. It always happens in these kind of games and uh, managed to close the game out nicely. Fulham with five shots on target, Leeds just the two. Um, Fulham had 12 shots in total, Leeds 10 in total, but a lot of those were barely be called shots on goal, I wouldn't have said. Um, Leeds with slightly more passes, and again, that's 
a lot of those passes would have come right at the very death there. Uh, eight corners for Fulham, six for Leeds, and I think all six of those probably came at the same time as well. And 10 fouls from Fulham, 15 from Leeds. It was felt a little bit dirty during the game a few times. Um, I think the ref did really well. There was only one uh, one yellow card for Fulham, and I believe there were four yellow cards for Leeds, and I think quite a few of those were deserved because Leeds were, were going in pretty hard with quite a few of those tackles. Um, but I think the ref actually had a very good game, I have to say. I quite like mm. that he wasn't brandishing yellows too many too early because I think there were probably eight or nine tackles across both sides in the first 20 minutes of the game, and he only gave out the one yellow card, which unfortunately was Polina. Obviously, it's always Polina. Mm. Um, but look, a really good victory. Like I said, let's look at the league table. Fulham moving up to ninth place now on 45 points, uh, one point ahead of Brentford with a game in hand after Brentford drew with Aston Villa, uh, sitting four points behind Brighton, although Brighton have two games in hand over us and five points behind Liverpool on the same number of games played. Uh, Aston Villa continuing to impress. They're on 51 points and actually probably making Tottenham feel a little bit nervous in fifth place now, who are on 53. Um, Let's move on and have a look at some of the top tweets from last night. Dad, I'll throw over to you to run us through a few of these and we'll discuss. Yeah, sure. Uh, the first one's from Nicholas Carey. Fantastic finish from Wilson. He's back for good. Is that a... Is that a... Um... a bit bold. <laughs> well, no, I thought it was a, um, um, a, a song reference, but never mind. Um, yeah, look, uh, I think we've discussed that, but uh, is he, I think he is back for good. Not We think he's not quite at his very, very best, but he's definitely back and... Punching for a plate, hard to hard to keep him out of the starting lineup right now. Yeah, I think he. I think if um, we're quantifying, he's back. As in, we're not going to sell him this summer. I would. I would agree now because it was going. It was getting pretty close to that before, which is very sad. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I think back for good might be a slight stretch, but I think if you're actually looking at the next, you know, five or six games when we're without Mitro and we're probably playing a winger up front, he probably is back for good for those games at least because I think he's probably our best option at the moment. At yeah, least he's our most informed winger, I have to say, if you're looking at goals and and what he's creating. Um, obviously, we love Willian and we love what he's doing at the moment, but he's not actually scoring the goals that he was earlier in the season. And I think Wilson is probably the informed man at the moment and kind of undroppable. Um, and and well, maybe... Go ahead. If, if Mitro was playing and available for selection, would Wilson start or would you put BDR there? I'd start Wilson at this stage. I mean, yeah, on, on current form, I think I'd be starting Wilson. Yeah, uh, just, because of, just because of, uh, I think if you dropped him now, actually it would be a massive hit to his confidence. Mm. Um, and I think if you kept playing him, kept backing him and just saying, keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it really well, you'd probably get even more out of him. Um, I think if you dropped I, I him now, is... if you dropped him now, we'd run out of comfort packs. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I, I agree. The, the finish was superb. I think that was a, a really tough chance. And I actually didn't think he took it first time at the time. I was I was watching it and realised he finished, but... Um, the fact that he actually hit that first time on the turn round his body and to to not blaze that over the crossbar, which is kind of it's what you, you expect to see. Mm. Uh, nothing against Wilson, but I think from any player, you sort of expect them to get underneath that. The fact that he managed to keep on top of it and, and finish so well, yeah, br beautiful finish from Wilson. And uh, that's going to give him a lot of confidence as well because that was a tough, tough chance to put away. Uh, next one, this one from Cottage Analytica. Um, so 0 0.73 apparently with a confused quizzical face uh, <laughs> emoticon. And I think he's referring to an XG here. Player Pereira, time 72 minutes, probability 73%. Hmm, what, what was the XG on that one? Um, yeah, I would have thought the XG on an open goal with a keeper behind you on the floor is about one. 
it's it's interesting this was um mm. uh i think i saw opta stats said that it was a 0.95 i'm not sure where cottage analytica picked up their probability from for this one but the fact that that was only given 73 percent by whatever this website was uh makes me lose a little bit of faith in xg sometimes because that's a 0.99 when you're two yards out uh it's much harder to miss from there than to score so mm. i think 0.73 is is roughly what you get for xg for a penalty most of the time as in uh they you're expected to score at 73 percent of the time roughly uh so the fact it's... that his open goal from two yards out was given a similar probability is uh Bit of a is weird like, one for me. Is that like quantified on like ridiculous face and faith in Melee as a goalkeeper to be able to? <laughs> Melee was on the ground. He's on his knees. No, it's it's possible don't... that they're saying Melee is so good that it's uh, there's <laughs> a, a fifteen or seventeen percent chance that he might miraculously, a twenty seven percent chance rather, might miraculously bounce up and manage to get across. I mean, to be fair to him, he made a really good save from the Willian free kick, which. Mm. Almost won me uh, eight hundred dollars, but I am not uh, anyway. buying. For, I'm not buying for once. I understand that he's twenty three. I understand that he's super young and had a lot of starts in the prem. I get that, but I am not buying for one second that he is the future of French goalkeeping. He he doesn't he doesn't look like he's got the bite. He looks like I could kick his ass, honestly. Poor old Melia. He he would have had to have a knife to stop Pereira there. Honestly, though, honestly, I don't even and, think and that. You know he'd what? have to throw the knife and hit as well from that distance. <laughs> I and like honestly, yeah, I don't true. think I don't think it's got anything to do with him being young because I reckon like an eighteen-year-old Bert Leno would like he would scare the shit out of me as well. Like I tell you, I tell you one thing, Melier, he's good at. He's actually very good at with the ball at his feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's actually very very good. I, I was watching yeah. him. When the ball was passed back to him a couple of times, we were sort of trying to press and and put pressure on the uh, the full uh, the the left and right back, and he was switching play and faking it really well and moving the ball between mm. his own feet really quickly. He's actually he's not terrible, but he just looks a little bit rabbit in the headlights sometimes. He just yeah, he's he's got a. I think he's he's not a terrible keeper. I just don't think Absolutely he's not. quite. He's quite good enough. Um, yeah, well, I think he's probably got the ability by down the track. French but... standards as well. Like, I'm sorry, well, like, Larice like... is terrible. So, by French standards, I think. Oh he's well, all right. okay, no, that's that's actually a very good point. No, yeah, I'll... Um. Anyway, let's move on. Let's look at one here from Fulham in Japan at Fulham underscore Japan on Twitter. And they say, Willian, Solomon, Andreas, Wilson, and Niskins. We have so many ballers. And he's absolutely right. Um, as we said before, it's exciting. Lovely to see uh, Cabano back. Poor, poor love. He looked a little bit out of sorts. The ball was sort of hitting him a few times as he was, uh, you know, um, in, the, in the middle of it, as one expects if you've been out for six months. But just it's kind of a tough little back. time to come back yeah. into the game for Cabano <laughs> as well. Very, you come in 2-1 up. Um, trying yeah. to save the game, and you know there weren't many opportunities for him to really show what he can do and and showcase his, his abilities. Um, but I think you know an Achilles injury is pretty brutal. I think we'll be very slowly reintroducing him, and I don't expect we're going to see him starting anytime soon. I don't expect we'll see him get more than ten minutes in most of the games, and he probably doesn't get risked for the rest of the season realistically. Uh, unless we really need it. Now that we've got Wilson back in form and and fit and Solomon as well, I, I don't think there's a huge amount of need for risking him. I'll tell you one thing about this, though. Uh, I think it's very, very important for Cabano that he's actually coming back at this time because if you think about what is likely to happen, you know, Tony Khan gets his checkbook out, you know, we, we, we end up, Eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, somewhere around there, and we pull. We we really go for um, huge replenishments um, for next season. That's got to put the likes of Cabano, as much as we love him, Cabano mm. and Wilson at risk. Oh, totally, um, totally. And so, for him to have an opportunity to come back and just remind the manager and the fans, less less so the fans, but the club of how valuable he is, 
Mm. Um, and if you think if you think about, even if Bobby Decadover Reed, you know, we should possibly add to that little group as well. Although maybe Bobby Decker Reed doesn't qualify as a baller. Um, but in terms oh, of, in, I, I love Bobby Decadover Reed. I'm just saying, you know, if if you think about, if we go off and buy another two or three, you know, thirty million pound wingers, let's say, um, on the face of it, that's got to be a, a, a difficult situation for the club, viz people like Bobby Decadover Reed. But what he's done for his career this year in being such an incredibly valuable utility player makes it hard to shift him. He's so valuable. He knows the system. He works well. He's such an honest, honest toiler. You'd, you'd be very reluctant to shift him. And so Cabano, for me, potentially gets the chance to re reprove his worth as well over the next uh, month or so. I really appreciate as well Silver's – just that's okay. Uh, I, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, Silver's just faith in certain players because it does take a lot to kind of go. He's, he's done it with Wilson as well, just to go, nah, you're still here. I still, I still know there's something there and not have a couple of like meek performances, like um, be indicative of the rest of somebody's season. Uh, I think he's done an, awesome job of that i i i find it very respectable in um a manager just to kind of be able to blur out any outside noise and be like no nah, i got faith in you and also as well uh bobby decker over reed he's he's from the united church of sean de paul so he's always going to be a baller for me <laughs> okay sammy um moving on uh another tweet here from at adam ffc on twitter Back-to-back -back wins and looking back to our best. More importantly, six points clear of Chelsea and maybe a small chance of Europe still. Up the whites. Yep. <laughs> Not much more to say on that. It is good Sorry, to that see was, us get back-to-back was, back wins. That was the end of the tweet, guys. Yeah. No, no, it is good to see us get back-to-back -back wins because uh, it has. it's felt like a while and it is. Um, it has been since February that it's been since we have had back-to-back -back wins, so it's nice to get uh, a bit of – string a bit of form together. I think it's important that you keep getting results and keep getting points on the board, and, and it can feel a bit stop-start if you win a game, then lose the next one, and then you just lose a bit of momentum. So going into what is a fairly tough run of fixtures, having a bit of momentum makes quite a big difference. So it's a, it's an important point that he's made there that um, we're getting back-to-back -back wins. And, and as he says as well, Six points clear of Chelsea. That definitely uh, feels good too. Oh, that's awesome. One from here uh, at Chad Paris on Twitter. Chad is a uh, WA boy as well. So big shout out to Chad. Uh, nice win and a good couple of wins on the bounce. Everyone on the park looking the goods. Willian just keeps getting better. Wilson is definitely back and great to see Cabano out, out on show. You whites. Yeah, basically echoing uh, everything we've said so far. Willian continuing to show um, just his, his class. Uh, and Wilson, he, he feels like he's coming back for sure. And like we said, Cabano back. Love it. Uh, this one here from at Tom Rogers 24 on Twitter. Yep. Uh, we see Tom, Tom out pretty frequently on Twitter. Uh, great. Great win today. We, we probably weren't at our best, but unlike West Ham, we found a way to win. Wilson, Tosin, and Willian superb. Tete too. Reem missed a dependable as always, but felt he started to look a bit leggy. A little leggy, sorry. Yeah, a, a big um, big performance from the defence. I think Tosin, there was one point um, where Leeds had a one-on-one, -on -one and Tosin just mm. stood his ground really, really good defensively. And just looked calm, which is kind of not what we expect from Tosin. It it felt <laughs> like he was Tim Ream, actually, to be fair. Um, he, uh, he didn't dive yeah. in. He just stood up. He he waited for his moment and really good tackle, dispossessed. I think it was Aronson running through. And, yeah, it, it just felt like with Ream and Tosin as a back two at the moment, again, I have to say sorry and take our hats off to Tosin, who 
you know, we we've definitely called out a couple of times on this podcast before for um, being fairly error prone, but he he looks so comfortable on the ball, so comfortable defensively. It was a really good performance from Tosin and Tete, Reem, and Robinson. I think that that back four had one of their better games this season, and they've been superb all year. But um, they they definitely performed to a really really high level, which is great to see for us, um, especially when we're still trying to work out how we go forward sometimes. And, you know, actually that's one of the things we haven't mentioned on this podcast previously was how good a game Tosin had. He, he really was good. And how harsh on poor old, um, um, what's his name? Um, Diop. Yeah, Issa Diop can't get a game at the moment. But I like I like what Silver does, that, you know, if, if mm. you're, you're selected and you play well, I'm not dropping you. And because um, I think that's great incentive for people to to bust their way back into the team and hold on to it and keep people out. And as long as, you know, that's a fair uh, way that it's done every week, no one can have any argument with it. That's a good, it's a good system. I think it's it's also just really positive going into next season, seeing that we, without having to sign anyone, we'll have three centre-backs all capable of playing at a Premier League level. Uh, it's the kind of thing you're looking for. And I think we saw Lukic come on as well and, and look fairly comfortable. And we're getting to the stage where if we keep Polina, we'll have Lukic, Reed, and Polina in that central midfield sort of area and Tom Kearney as well. We're starting to see the squad take a bit more shape and have a bit more structure and a bit more stability and, and have players who can rotate through those positions, which... Is, is what you need to be successful in the Premier League. I think this team is starting to look like it only needs three or four additions to be really strong. And I think going into the season, we were looking at it going, this team needs eight or nine players realistically. But mm. we're getting to the stage now where I think we, we, we have a bit more faith in this squad, which is exactly what you want. And we with seven games to go in this season, we'll see it out hopefully without too many issues and then go into the summer transfer window really positive, knowing that we've got a really good core and we can we just need to build around that core going forward and hopefully not lose anyone in the summer who's too important to that. Um, mm. This one, not so much a tweet, but a little screenshot of the uh, 9th, 10th and 11th positions in the league, um, which is taken up entirely by SW6. We have Fulham in 9th on 45 points, Brentford in 10th on 43, and Chelsea in 11th on 39 and for once as well, uh, we have all three of us uh, on the same number of games played. It's been a bit of a weird season trying to read the table sometimes with us having three games in hand over some teams and other teams having two games in hand over us. And it's it's tough to really understand where you stand. But with uh, seven games to go now, we can see Fulham have six points on Chelsea and a Chelsea side who are not looking that good at the moment. Um so hopefully we can hold on to that. Hopefully we can stay above Brentford as well for the rest of the year. But um, as Black, White and Fred says here on the live stream from YouTube, back-to-back -back wins feels even better when Brentford haven't won in their last five. Uh, totally agree with that for sure. Black, White and Fred is such a good name just quietly as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, a couple of little bits of news uh, through tweets as well here that I've just pulled up. Uh, this is from uh, at Anfield Edition, who are a Liverpool uh, news tweeter uh, but coming from uh, Fabrizio Romano Fabio Carvalho will leave Liverpool this summer so that was announced on Fabrizio Romano's uh, Here We Go podcast uh, Carvalho just not getting the opportunities at Liverpool, he's unhappy there um, it's something that has been talked about a lot and kind of talked to death a few times as well uh, just a very short one word from both of you Sam, would you take Carvalho back uh, permanently. One word? Really? One yes, word? One word. Uh, one word. Yeah, I would. And Dad? Yes to permanent, no to alone. How come yeah. he gets Which, more? Well, it hasn't hasn't been confirmed. He's going, off now. He's going off now. I only got one word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Dad, uh, go, 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 go. Well, I did it's that because I knew that. <laughs> I knew that would happen. <laughs> It's uh, well, it hasn't been confirmed that he's actually leaving Liverpool. Although Fabrizio Romano, pretty reliable source, um, but if he does leave and it's alone, why would we be interested in that? 
uh, yeah, well, the, the thing is, yeah, he's, he's definitely not going to be at to Liverpool next season. We don't know if it's a loan or permanent. Um, I, I agree, unless it was a loan with a view, with some sort of agreed figure at the end of that season so that Liverpool sure. didn't lose too much on FFP, for example. Um, I, I might take that deal. But I think I don't want to take Carvalho back unless we're reaping the rewards for it, which is having a player who will be a Fulham player for the foreseeable future and, you know, someone who then becomes an asset for Fulham that we can pass on at some point if he wants to leave in three or four years' time. Um, but I would definitely take him back, if not only just to um, have a bit of rotation in that attacking midfield spot that Pereira's been playing. Yeah. Because um, I think at the moment we don't have anyone who can take on Pereira's role. And when mm-hmm. he's out of form, I'd like to be able to see us rotate a little bit and I'd like to see him paired up with Carvalho when we are playing against a team like Leeds. I think we probably didn't need Reed and Polina yesterday because Leeds just didn't have enough coming forward. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we'd been able to play um, Polina sitting back and then Carvalho and Pereira in front of him, how much damage and trouble we would have caused the Leeds defence yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think it would make sense if he comes back. And I'd love, I'd love to see him back at Fulham. I think, you know, he's him and Sessegnon, these guys are effectively Fulham Fulham legends. Oh, can we have Sess can we have Sess back? Please? Well again, another I'm, player who's just not playing enough. Um, legit but, yeah, legit though. Sorry, yeah, yeah. No, Jack, you finish. Well, I I was just gonna say I, I would definitely take those guys back in a heartbeat because they're good enough to be in our first team. Um and I, I think anyone who can add any depth to your squad is worth having. Uh and you know, Fulham fans know them, they love those players even though they've left the club. I think it'd be great to have them back. I like for me for me um the only reason why I'd actually really take Carvalho back is just purely because we like uh, not playing um Pereira just doesn't have a reasonable backup and it's very kind of like it it really just makes sense to actually have him there because it's literally his position he'll be able to get game time it kind of all works out he knows the system he knows Silva um, Cess, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'd take Cess. I like, I really, really love him, but I don't necessarily know where he fully shines in our current setup right now. Uh, just, just with the, the way that we're playing, obviously you can mold it to have an excellent left back. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't necessarily want to like overcrowd that section. Oh, That's I don't know. I think, I think based on what we saw from Cessignon as a 17 year old, I'd love yeah, to have yeah. him playing as that left back, similar style to Robinson, who is just bombing forward, um, ends up in the box fairly often, finishing chances. Mm. Uh, I'd I'd love to see those guys both come back, and uh, you know it's never going to happen. But even someone like a Harvey Elliott would would be great to have back at the club oh, yeah, as well. It's but never going to happen. <laughs> uh, he's he's and, past and, it and, now. And, he's, and then we'll probably take Scherler as well. I wouldn't take Shola. What's, <laughs> what's Berbatov doing? I reckon Berbatov could still go. I reckon Berbatov could 100%. still go. percent at this level. I'd still, I'd still reckon Berbatov would, would oh, dominate. Like, <laughs> just like with like cigarette in hand. No, I can totally see it. It would be great. And just the last one here on um, Burnt Leno. This one is from uh, John Harrison at JHD Harrison One on Twitter. Okay, uh, Leno is quietly on course for the greatest one v one stopping season in Premier League history. The uh, Fulham goalkeepers saved thirty one out of forty two one on ones, one v ones, which is seven point nine nine more than the average Premier League goalkeeper would be expected to. Do you think Leno will beat L? Um, uh, what's that? Liverpool. Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool's Allison's. 1v1 record of 8.46 saves above the Premier League average. And Probably. look, it has to be said, Leno is, is, I mean, he's been easily one of our players of the season. It's going to be a tough vote at the end of the season when you have to choose between Polina, Willian, Leno, Ream, Mitro for player of the season. Like, there's a there's a plethora of players you could easily pick, and I don't think... Um, anyone would take it away from any of them if they won it. But Leno and and what he's done this season, I think goes a little bit under the radar sometimes because if you look at expected goals through the year, we are miles, miles, miles ahead of where we should be. And that's all down to Leno. 
He's made more saves by far than any other player inside his own six-yard box this season. Um, he's miles ahead of the average for one-on-ones, meaning basically any time a, a team should score against him, they're not. And look, I, I hope he beats the record because I think his form this season fully deserves it. And I think it just shows what an amazing pickup we had in getting Leno for even if he'd cost us 20 million, I think it would have been a great deal. The fact that he only cost us three is just outrageous. And mm. I, I love the bloke as a, as a former keeper myself, seeing him put in these performances constantly is, is just great. I just love mm. watching it. Yeah. I, I look, I understand why Arsenal bought like Ramsdale and kind of sent Leno on his way from like a purely business standpoint, but like mm. he's class. And he, and he was class when he left, and he's class now. So it's very, it's very when um like Chelsea uh, got rid of Peter Cech, like really in hindsight, for not really a good enough reason. But yeah, everyone's a genius in hindsight, aren't they? Yep. Anyway, let's move on uh, and finish off with cottage cheese. Sammy, what do you got for us today? Your daily source of protein. Sam is tired right now, so he's going to power through this as best as he can now. The context always for this, a worrying sign. The context for this is maybe my dumbest one yet, but that's why we love our cottage cheese, and that's why the comments will get hyped for this. I'm excited, you're excited. Let's go. So I watched You Don't Mess with the Zohan really, really recently, and it was so bad that it just struck a chord with me, and I haven't stopped thinking about it yet. So what we're gonna do is Adam Sandler films. You, you are just, I'm going to, whether you've seen the film or not, if you haven't seen the film and you can't kind of see how it relates to a player, that's absolutely fine. You can just go with the title, but we're going to go with Adam Sandler films and I'm going to give you two Fulham players to choose from and how they relate. Now, are you ready? Good. All right. As, so, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, as always, we'll start off strong. Big Daddy, Jao Paulinho or Bert Leno? Jaffalinia, uh, he's a Fulham daddy. Yeah, yeah. See, okay, okay. So we are you two unanimous on? Jal yeah, Palina? I think I think we're unanimous. Yeah, I I feel Jaffalinia. He's got big daddy protector kind of vibes for me. Mm. Honestly, I feel that Bert Leno actually has more big daddy protector vibes. Like he, I, he, I've literally seen him pick up Harrison Reed when Harrison Reed was a bit sad, like physically pick him up. Um, but anyway, yeah. Okay, so the do over. I haven't seen that film, but that's apparently an Adam Sandler film. Uh, Harry Wilson or Tim Ream? I have no idea what the movie's about. I honestly, yeah, neither do I. I'm, I'll I'm say not gonna let that the bother exact me. opposite to whatever Dad says. Yeah, yeah. Um, the do-over. Um, I, I, I think that um, I think Tim Ream's season has kind of been contrary to to what everyone believed it was going to be so that to me is like he's done over his critics mm. and so i'm going with the do over for tim ream no that's fair enough that's fair enough i'll say wilson just because i don't care <laughs> all right okay uh uncut gems tosin or sasa lukic mm, i'm, I'm going tosin I've, al- I've always believed tosin to be a, raw, a rough diamond um, and and, and <laughs> some, someone don't make me don't make me pull up all your messages again. <laughs> no, that's good. He's a he is a he he has always been a rough diamond, and he's actually coming into bloom now. So uh, he's 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 starting to show his his polish and his his class. Uh, uh, I, it's it's hilarious you saying those words. The the hate has fully gone to Dan James now, which I find very you're, you're very targeted in your. I'm like, I'm gob gobsmacked that you think you can say that. <laughs> I'm picking I'm picking Sasalukic just because like in a very earnest way from what I've seen of Sasalukic, I think it's only a matter of time before he he truly comes into his own. You don't mess with the Zohan now. Upon watching, you don't mess with the Zohan. He is an Israeli counter-terrorist who is um, very tricky and very incredible, but he also has a penchant for um, hair and doing haircuts. It's a ridiculous film. Uh, so, Solomon or William? Sorry, what William. was the film name? 
you don't mess with the Zohan. It's about an Israeli counter-terrorist that wants to be a hairdresser. That is the film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it should be Solomon, really. is Israeli, as as on the nose it is, as it is. Um, I'm, pick, I'm picking William just because he's class. <laughs> and he's got great yeah. hair. <laughs> yeah, well, he has got great hair. I can't imagine William as a hairdresser because I don't think he ever cuts his hair. But That's true. That's very true. It's just, it's just like, natural. I can imagine. I can imagine William walking in with his boot bag and like a like a fro comb about this big and nothing else, just like <laughs> back combing it before he goes out. Fair. And finally, and uh, the the strongest one on this list: anger management. Marco Silva or Mitrovic? <laughs> oh, Mitro, hands down, Mitro. That's the only good one so far as well, by the way, Sam. Oh, you know, that's so fair. That's so uh, I actually think that it probably has to go to penalties between the two of them. That's pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. I think Marco, being older, manages it slightly better, but I think there's no less anger there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also, it's also, it's a, it's a different context of anger, but it's, if anything, it's probably... He's got to be responsible. He's, he's always got to be responsible, and he always has to kind of apologise for his yeah. outbursts. It's because uh, he knows yeah. he's 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 twice Mitro's age. He knows he's got to do better. So like Mitch, I feel that Mitro is just constantly angry, and then he just has like blowups. Whereas just Marco Silva is just constantly blowing up. <laughs> like and and it's great. That's why we love him. And that's the segment. Hmm. Well, well, Sam, I think you know I'm I I'm, really I'm astonished know what to say about that. No, no, I'm astonished that actually the good the good save on that Sam was that. I didn't know any of those films, not one of them, but mm -hmm. the titles were strong enough that it actually worked. So I'm, I'm going to give you points for that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Polina-esque. You, uh, you should be doing better than a 6 out of 10, Sammy. I mean, if it wasn't controversial, it wouldn't be cottage cheese. <laughs> yeah. I'll let, it, I'll let it slide this time. Um, so, look, guys, we can wrap it up there. I think we've... Uh, being able to talk about another Fulham win, thankfully. Hopefully we see another in the next few games. We do have a tough run with uh, Villa, Liverpool and Man City to come in our next three. So hopefully we can talk about some good performances from those games. But it's going to be a pretty rough few weeks, I think, for us, especially as we're still finding our way. But I'm confident we'll be able to get something out of these games. And if we do get any points out of these games, I think it's going to set us up for a really wild into the season where we could see some uh, some really interesting results and maybe Fulham do have that late push towards uh, Europe. So, guys, without further ado, Dad, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Enjoy the chat. Sammy, thank you again for making the time and actually rocking up. Oh, thank you for having me. I am dehydrated but very happy that yeah, had Go this. and uh, chug a Powerade and feel a lot better. Yeah. So everyone, thank you again for joining us. Thanks to everyone who supports us and uh, keeps downloading the podcast. We really appreciate it. And until next time, come on you whites. <laughs>